Today we conclude a journey that we've been on for about two months now, a journey in listening to the voices and trying to zero in and hear the one distinct, pure, unadulterated voice of God. And it's not so easy. I have found it in my own life that when, when God leads me to series like this, He does a lot of my own purging and making sure that I am in touch and in tune with His voice. And He kind of takes me through the same process that He's taken some of you through, and it ought to be that way. It's not me up here standing as a superior, but as one fellow pilgrim along with you trying to discern and know the will of God in the midst of all this. And some of y'all have been... Not only you've been diving deep on Sunday, but hopefully you've been diving deep every other day of the week as you've been doing experiencing God's study with us. Maybe some for the first time, some you've done it multiple times, but maybe this time God has spoken to you in a very beautiful way, powerful way, life-transforming way. And there's several realities. If you've done this study, you know these. If you haven't, that's why I keep recommending people to it constantly. And if you gave up on it on week one because it was so intense, go back to it. Pick it back up. Persevere. If you takes you all year to go through it, take all year. All right, you're on you're on God's timetable, not our timetable. Uh, but here's one of the realities that you'll talk, talk about. There's seven realities. Seven. Okay, seven realities. And this is number reality number four that God speaks by the Holy Spirit. Okay, very key here. We just sang about it. The Father sends the Son. The Son sends the Spirit. The Spirit dwells inside of every believer. All right? The Holy Spirit is the one who's speaking to us. How does He speak to us? The avenues, the conduit. He speaks to us through this book. Ancient as it may be, bestseller around the world as it is, it is what it is because it is God-breathed, okay? It is inspired. And listen, if God exhales it, then we need to inhale it, okay? And that's what we've talked about. I'm going to kind of give you a lot of review statements today of things that I've said throughout the series. This is the Crypt Notes message conclusion of the whole series. And so this is kind of wrapping it all up. But that's one of the things we talked about is, that, is the power of the Word and, and how everything comes in line with His Word. His Word doesn't contradict Himself, His character, anything. So the Bible, prayer, listening. Speaking to Him and listening to Him as you're speaking, okay? It is a two-way conversation prayer. It's circumstances. God closes the door. He opens this door. He, he speaks in, in so many different ways in our circumstances, all right? And then also, in fact, even during this series for me, there's been something I've been praying about, but through the circumstances, I'm realizing more and more that's not for me, okay? I can't do that, okay? Circumstances. God speaks to His church. Sunday morning, small group Bible study, godly people speak into your life. You have them in your life. You're listening to godly voices, hopefully, along the way. What's he going to reveal? He's going to reveal himself. Okay, again, his character will never be compromised. He will talk about himself, and hopefully your life will line up with him as you understand who God is, his purposes. What's this big picture of God? Whatever his big picture is, whatever his big uh, purpose is for mankind, I need to get in on that and then his ways. How do I fit into his purposes? How does my life align with who he is? Breaking that sentence down takes two weeks of, uh, of study in the, uh, in the experience in God's study. So anyway, just pour yourself into this process. Now, I want to do a survey. We've done this. Take out your phones. We do this from time to time. We're going to take out our phones. If you're first time with us, you're going to, you're going to kind of dial into this number 
2-2-3-3-3, and you're going to do this GPC NWA thing, all right? You're going you're to get a text back, and immediately you're enrolled in a text message, all right? Normal data charges will uh, occur. Uh, I had to put that, that tone in there. All right, so, and then here's the survey that we're taking today. Which statement best describes you during the Voices series, okay? In this whole experiencing God study, which one? I mean, God has God spoken to you for the first time? You think, hey, you know what? I think I actually now understand God's voice. I think there's this, this, this verse. There was this time. There was this statement. There was this conversation with a godly person. There was this, this, this. And you say, for the first time, I think I've heard God speak to me. All right? Then you'd put letter A in your reply. Then uh, letter B would be is, okay, I've... Uh, I've heard God give me a clear direction for my life. Maybe you've heard it before, but now during the past two months, you've heard God speak to you. And that may be big, monumental. I got to move across the world or it may be as big. I got to move across the aisle and welcome somebody and greet somebody and, and, uh, on the other side politically of the aisle or whatever the case may be. A different attitude. Then, okay, letter, notice this. I've already taken steps to obey God's direction in my life, all right? And then A and B, or B and, B and C would be is I've done both. I've heard God speak and I'm taking steps. We talked about this being, and this is a compilation of both services coming in. And that letter D is a very important one. I don't want to cloud your survey here, but that's an important one because when God speaks, that immediately is your invitation to join Him. It's not like, okay, God, you spoke. Now, now I'll wait for the, the, the stopwatch to go, okay? No, you go when He speaks. Letter E is that, hey, Mike, sorry, uh, dude, I, you didn't bring it, man. Uh, I, I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear nothing from God. You know, no lightning bolts or anything like that. So, you know, that may be you. You may be in, the, in, in, that, in that posture today, and I, I totally get that. I, I just pray that through this time you realize God is still speaking. All right, and the majority of our people are saying God is speaking to them again through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, through uh, through the church. He's speaking to them, and so it, 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 God is out there now. You can take God's this desire to know God's will to an, a crazy, insane level. Okay, I tell you about this lady. Was, she was a Quaker. Her name was Hannah Smith, and she lived in such a way that she wouldn't get out of bed. Now, some teenagers are going to really love this. Love this one. She t- would not even get out of bed in the morning unless she heard God tell her to get out of bed. Some of y'all would still be in bed right now. Uh, and, and then she would get out of bed. She'd go to her closet and she would look through God. What do you want me to wear today? And then she would put it on. And then, and then she would go to her, her shoes, and then she would look, okay, God, do you want this shoe on my right foot? Okay, I'll put that one on. And she would notoriously go out with different shoes on different feet because she believed that God wanted her to use this shoe for this foot and this shoe for that foot. I mean, that's insane, okay? I'm sorry, Hannah, uh, but uh, I'm calling you out. I, I think that's taking a little overboard. That, that, but here's, here's some things, some general things, some things that we need to understand about considering the will of God. Number one, God has a general will for us all, okay? I mean, that's all mankind. When God says it, we just got to realize, okay, for example, the Ten Commandments. It doesn't matter what world, what society, what time, what age you live in. Murder's not good. Stealing's not good. You know, there are certain things that are just always good. Always having a Sabbath day of rest, doctors will tell you. That's a good thing. See, God put these general directions in his word, not to constrain us, but to enable us to live a better life. Adultery is not a good thing. 
If you want to have multiple relationships, you want to have multiple failed marriages, go for it. If that's your thing, listen, but in society as a whole, it's not a good thing. Okay, these are the, just the general directions of God, the great commission that we're to go to all the nations and tell the gospel to all the nations. Listen, we as Grace Point Church have always been about missions. If you hang out with us very long, you'll get that idea about us. It's like, oh, okay, they're a mission church. No, no, the Bible says to go. We don't have to debate that. We don't vote on it. We don't discuss it. We don't argue over it. It's just, where, where are you going? That's the bigger question. It's not in fact, I'll even say it like this. If you don't have a passport, I question whether or not you believe in the Great Commission. Because, I mean, that is the acid test that, hey, I'm ready to go. God, where do you, where are you sending me? Now, sometimes it's just around the block and not around the world. But I'm going to help those who are going around the world. But the reality is, is that there are general instructions that are out there. Let me give you two of them, very specific. Hopefully it will help make sense. First Thessalonians, jot them down, write them in the corner. And uh, you can go back and read them later because he makes it very clear. This is the will of God. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right. And, uh, here's what this applies out. All in the Greek means all. It's a real simple thing. Everything in your life, you lost your job, somehow we got to learn to give thanks in it. You had a bad doctor's report, somehow we got to learn to give thanks in it. You learn to give thanks in your circumstances, in the situations that are tumultuous, no matter your circumstances. There's this attitude of gratitude that will actually help get you through the circumstances. Now, don't be fake about it. Grieve over the loss. Grieve over the hurt. Grieve over the, the, the things that you're going through. But somehow in that, say, God, I still believe you're on the throne. You're going to get me through this. I believe in you. I have an attitude of gratitude in spite of all the circumstances. Hey, by the way, it's the will of God. It's the will of God for all of us. Here's another one, okay? 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God. Again, I'm reading very basic statements. So we can read the scriptures and we can find out what God's will is. God's will is that you would be sanctified, sanctification, made right, made whole, made complete, that you wouldn't have all these bruises and bumps and pimples and scars from broken immoral relationships. How it leaves us bruised and broken. But here, that we wouldn't have immorality, sexual immorality. Listen, He's writing this in a day whenever there was morals loose as they are today, when the moral code of conduct and what a marriage is, what it is, and, and who can sleep with who, and who's it's okay, and I'm an adult, and I should be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And hey, this is don't don't be put that Puritan stuff in my mind. Listen, this is not Puritan stuff. This is Jesus talking to us, saying, "I want you to be beautiful. I want you to be right. I want your life to be full and complete and sanctified." I know big word, church word, complete, whole, right. How are you going to do that? Don't do things that are sexually immoral. The porn, got to go. Those, those addictions, got to go. So again, these are just a couple examples. There are probably a hundred of them out there or 200 of them out there. I'll say this, this in my projection, that you can find out 75% of the questions of life through the general instructions of God. You piece this instruction with this instruction, you can put together 
or relationships. You can put together careers. You can put together a whole lot, okay, just through the general instructions of God. Now here, let's talk about another one. This is the specific instructions of God. This deals with you, your time, and this place, and the hour in which you are, okay? This is you. This is the other 25%. This is where you live out the Great Commission. This is where you live out the Ten Commandments. This is where you do that. Okay, for example, you go to, you go to uh, the book of Jonah and you find Jonah was called to go to Nineveh, but he didn't go to Nineveh, he goes to Joppa. He missed the will of God, the specific will of God for his life. He chose not to do the will of God. He chose to ignore the voice of God. And, of course, we know the story that, where, where, where that ends up in a, in a dark belly blabber, blabber or all that kind of stuff uh, of, of, of a big fish. All right? So then you've got Joseph. Joseph is dating this girl, engaged to this girl, and this girl's pregnant. You know the story. We're about to celebrate it. Mary's pregnant. An angel comes to, the, to, to him and says, hey, listen, I want you to marry her, Matthew chapter 1. And he does. God tells Joseph, who he is to marry, all right? God can be very specific. He can be very general. We apply all of it. Paul's life, here's one more example, and then we'll move on. It's specific instructions. Paul thought, okay, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go to the Galatia region. No, no, no. God's spirit didn't let him go there. There are times you're doing a good work, and God says, I don't want you to go there. So he tries another place. Doesn't go there. In fact, let's look at Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and following. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but notice this, that he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And so I said, I'm going to try another place. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So literally, God's Spirit is steering Paul in where he's going to go. And then he has this, what's called the Macedonian call. He has this vision at night, this dream where God speaks to him. And it says that he concluding that God had called him, uh, uh, us to preach the gospel to them. Here's the coolest thing. This is when the gospel becomes transcontinental. At this point, it's only been in Asia. At this point, it's only been in the Middle East. But now, Paul, or God's going to lead Paul left east, or excuse me, west. He's going to lead him to Greece. He's going to lead him to Rome. The gospel will end up in Europe. The gospel will end up on the shores of America. We will be born into a nation where the gospel is because the gospel was led here by the Spirit of God. You see how God works through His Spirit, His moving, His leading in our life? I have a verse for you, probably one of the most popular verses in the book of Jeremiah, if not the most popular. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. The thing is, you read this verse and you think, oh man, I love this verse. I heard a lot lot of people graduate from high school. This is the verse that they claim. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. The thing thing is about this verse, you got to read the context of this verse. They're in the middle of exile. They're in the middle of Babylonian captivity. They're they're being plundered from their own land and they're being told, told to go to a foreign land and to seek the welfare of that city in that land. So it doesn't mean... That your plans are always going to go up and to the right. Remember we talked about that last week. Again, review of a lot of messages here. The plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Sometimes he'll prosper you in a foreign land. Sometimes his plan for you is to go through the, hit, the valley of the shadow of death. Plans to give you a hope in the future. Man, I want that. 
And what we want is we want that plan. We want that five-year plan. We want that retirement plan. We want that career pathway plan. We want, we want that plan. We focus so much on the plan. And here's what this message is going to call us to, is stop looking at the plan. We're going to have to trust the man and live the plan. There's a big difference. Too many of us trust the plan, five-year plan, career progression plan, 401k retirement plan. We trust the plan, and then all of a sudden the plan doesn't go the direction that we thought it was going to go. And all of a sudden now we're disillusioned with God. Now all of a sudden God failed us. No, we've been trusting the plan and using the man. You understand the difference? There's a big difference here. We use the man for our plan. Instead, we need to trust the man and let the plan and live out his plan for our life. It's a paradigm shift, my friends. A huge paradigm shift. Take your Bibles. We're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. As you look at this, these verses, they're going to sound familiar to about half of you. Maybe some of you even got them memorized. I got it memorized. I even, got it, I even was not even reading it last service, and I misquoted it uh, because I memorized it in a different translation. So I'm going to read it this time. Chapter 3, Proverbs, verse 5 and verse 6. Real quick, blink, and it'll be over. Watch out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Okay. I want us so short, so brief, I want us all to read it out loud together. You ready? Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Beautiful passage. Just look at what that means. Four ways to avoid what I would call detours and dead ends. Because what happens is if we stop listening to God, we get on our own path. Remember, He has a plan for us, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, a plan for a future and for hope. Banking on the character of God, remember He reveals Himself first, then His purpose, then His ways. Banking on the character of God and that that is what He says He's got for us, then I need to trust Him, Okay? The plan will be altered constantly according to life and circumstances and so forth. And so what I've got to do is I'm going to have to zero in and trust Him and know Him. And so here are four ways I don't detour my life and dead end my life because what I'll do is I'll choose my own path and then end up careening off or getting on a dead end and, and, and so forth. I follow a trusted navigator, number one. Who are you listening to? Who are you trusting with your life, with your plan, with your future, with your family, with your health, with your career, with your 401, you know what I'm saying, with it all? Who are you trusting with it? Because more important, again, than the plan is knowing who the man is, knowing his, him, and then let him show his plan to us. Again, trust the Lord with all your heart. Now, that word trust is the absolute key to this entire two-verse passage paragraph, if you will. To trust. 
Trust is the foundation of every relationship. All right, now just hang with me on this. You don't come to the altar not trusting the person you're marrying. You don't enter into a business deal not trusting the person. We do. We put contracts in place to have parachutes to protect us along the way. Because trust is so important, we want to build in safety for ourselves. We've got to trust the other person, okay? We've got to trust somebody with our life, ourselves, other people, or whatever, whomever that may be. This word trust, I looked it up in a couple of different ways because the Old Testament is written in both Hebrew and, and Aramaic. In Aramaic, it means to, to take refuge in. Think about that to hide in, to, to crawl into the arms of. Think of as many different ways you can use the word refuge, uh, find safety and security in. That's what this whole idea means. In the Hebrew, it actually means this, to lying helplessly face downward. Now you talk about trust. You ever done the trust fall? I'm going to turn around here and you're going to catch me? Uh-huh. You know, you've done that thing where you're blind, you don't see who's back there? That's a pretty that's a pretty scary thing. First time I did that, it was really hard. I had a hard time not blacking the eye out of the people behind me, wanting to make sure that they're back there. But the key is, is you've got to cross your arms and you've got to trust the people that are going to catch you. You've all done it or you've seen it done. There's a bit of this life thing. We're going to have to trust. We're going to have to fall. We're going to have to believe. Okay? In this process... Here's some things, though, about trust. He gives us very specific directions on the trust. There's the object of the trust, first of all. The object, he said, is to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. The problem is, is it's hard to trust somebody you can't see, right? You can't touch, you can't. That's why this is a mystical relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. It's something that I've got to build. It's something, a muscle that I've got to develop, this faith muscle inside of me. But the problem is, is I have a hard time with that. So therefore, I end up trusting myself. I'm a self. I got here this far. I've made it this far on my own. I can trust myself. Listen, beware of that. Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts his own heart is a fool. Some might need to memorize that this week. See, here's the reality. You're only, here's a life principle for you, you're only as strong as the object of your trust. You're only as strong as the object of your trust. So therefore, if you trust yourself to get you through life storms, then you're, you're going to depend upon yourself to get you through life storms. And whenever you are battle weary, when you are worn out and torn down and beat down and you have nothing left, then you will find out that you were not enough. And whenever the business that you've given yourself to takes a nosedive and things change and you all of a sudden that you have been as loyal as the day is long, all of a sudden get a notice that you're no longer needed, your services are no longer needed. Oh my goodness, you've been building Eight, ten-hour days on that place, those people. And all of a sudden, everything falls apart. And listen, Satan is going to do everything in his power to attack you at the point of your trust. 
What are you trusting? He's going to attack you at the point of your trust. It's an old military strategy. It's a, it's a, it's a BC military strategy in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 22. It says it like this. A wise man attacks the city of the mighty and pulls down the stronghold in which they trust. So what you would do, you'd have a gated city, a walled city, and you'd go in and you would... It'd be one thing to breach the walls. But if the king and the armament and, and the horses have not been taking charge, you've only breached a wall. You've got to go to the tower. You've got to go to the stronghold. You've got to go to the place where everybody is trusting. It's the centralized, where the wealth, where the power, where the brains, where the everything is. You've got to attack that. That's what Satan's going to do. The point of your trust. What are you trusting in? You're only as strong as what you trust in. We saw something happen in our nation 15 years ago that rocked us, right? 15 years ago, in one day, three buildings... Four airplanes, thousands of people. All of a sudden, the financial center of New York City, the World Trade Towers, are falling. The Pentagon, that represents power and military might, is attacked. Another plane lands in Pennsylvania out in the field that was probably headed to the capital of the White House. All of a sudden, the enemy was attacking us at the point of our trust. Our money, our power, everything was going to be over. From their perspective, they were getting at the heart of who we were. Satan is going to come at you at the heart of your trust. You're only as strong as what you trust in. Trust in the Lord. But he also gives us the extent of your trust. To what degree? How much am I supposed to trust Him? With all your heart. Everything is in you. The heart in the Hebrew was the essence of the person, not the body, the essence. No, we think of the body being the essence, the heart, the emotions, the seed of what makes the decision that tells the body what to do, the feelings, the emotions. That's all the heart of who we are. It's the essence of who we are. We trust Him to the very core and the essence of who we are. A trapeze artist go through this process where they fly from one to the next. And I'm not going to get all the terms right. I'm not going to pretend to. But when one is flying from one to the next, there comes this point when the one has to let go of the bar and float almost, almost weightless in the air for a few seconds before they are caught by the other person, hoping and believing that another person is going to catch them. Henry Nowen was talking to trapeze artist one day, and this is what he said. He said, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. We're the ones acting in trust and faith in God. We, we don't try to catch the catcher. We must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him. He must wait. His job is not to flail about in anxiety. In fact, if he does, it could kill him. His job is to be still, to wait. And to wait is the hardest work of all. Trusting the Lord with all your heart maybe the hardest work you'll ever do. Psalm twenty-five, twelve. Who are those who fear? Fear is a cousin to trust. Respect the Lord. Fear the Lord. Trust the Lord. He will show them the path 
they should choose. You want to you know where you're going to go? Listen, fear him, trust it, believe in him with all your heart. He's going to show you. He's going to show you. Number two, no backseat drivers, okay? If we're on this journey through life here and we're going to trust God to be our navigator, it's not that we sit in the passenger seat and tell God where to go and where to take us. I am the worst passenger you could ever have in the car, all right? Any confessions that would go along with me that would agree with themselves to say that they're a horrible passenger? So when Lori gets behind the wheel, which is very seldom because she can only tolerate me for so long, and so, but if I'm in the passenger seat and she's driving and she starts to back out of the driveway and the garage door's open, I like immediately shut. I mean, I better get the nose of my vehicle out and I'm shutting the garage door. She will wait till we get to the end of the driveway. Now, we're not talking about a long driveway either. We're talking about that long, okay? We're talking about a very short driveway. But I'm like going, shut the door. <laughs> she starts turning the car. Shut the door. <laughs> and finally, I'll say, hey, would you shut the garage door? I am shutting the garage door. And she was shutting all along. I am the worst. True. Uh, true. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Yes. Verse 5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding may be the greatest obstruction to you hearing the voice of God. Your education, I'm not saying he's promoting ignorance here, but your education and you're educating yourself beyond God's voice because there will be things that God will ask you to do that will absolutely not make sense. I can give you multiple times in my life when God says, I want you to move your, your family around the world. I want you to move your family now back and leave with a paying job and come back and start a brand new church. I, there are times in your life that God does these crazy things. Listen, because Isaiah 55, 8 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. O oh Lord, it says in the Living Bible, Jeremiah 10, 23, it says, O oh Lord, I know it is not within the power of man to map his life. Would you look at that phrase and to plan his course? It is not in the power of man. We would love to plan and orchestrate and get our plan out there. Here's the problem, though, is we have a major problem with objectivity. We have a very muddied filter. A great book, if you want to read it in the coming year, great, put it on your reading list, is Knowing God by J.I. Packer. It's a book that's a classic. It's been around for a long time, but be worth getting a copy and read. It's going to be dense. Get ready, dive into it, and have fun with it. This is one of the things he says in there. He says, earnest Christians seeking guidance often go wrong. Earnest Christians. We're not talking about lazy Christians. Earnest Christians seeking guidance often go wrong. Often the reason is, is that their notion of the nature and the method of divine guidance is distorted. Lay themselves open to all sorts of delusions. I'm going to tell you, I wrote it down this morning and I'm still wrestling with it and so you can kind of help me with this. But I really believe the problem that we have with being able to be objective about making a decision and hearing the voice of God is pride. And here's the statement that I, that I wrote down. 
Pride is the most underrated sin in the heart of man. Pride is the most underrated sin in the heart of man. Listen, you go out and commit adultery, you go out and lust, you get caught in pornography addiction, all that kind of stuff. Man, you can lose job, family, you can lose a lot. You have a problem with money, you're taking money, you have, you have a problem with materialism. Yeah, you know, you, you can get behind bars for that. Embezzling, okay, you can get behind bars for that. But pride, confidence is what we call it. Decisiveness is what we call it. A strong opinion person is what we call it. It's pride. Fighting for what's right. Many times, sadly, it's pride. We need to be careful of the pride because Barna did a study among believers, believers, mind you, asking them the question, in your processes of making a decision, to what degree, list out the orders and what is involved in your decision-making process. And less than 10% of them said, I spend time in the Word and I spend time seeking His will. Basically, I go with my gut. Basically, it was the next rung up the ladder, so that's why I made that move. Basically, it was going to be good for the family. Basically translated, I'm going to make more money. We're going to have more stuff, which just means I'm going to owe more to other people. We do, we do these things and we, we say that they're God, but sometimes they're not. Be careful. We were climbing Mount Kilimanjaro a year, a year ago nearly. Lori and I took out on a, a, on a bucket list journey to celebrate 25 years of marriage. And we were climbing up the mountain and we had our guides and our guides were telling us as we're going, because sometimes it's kind of a saunter walk. Sometimes you're walking on a plateau. Here we're about 10,000 feet and that's, we have another 6,000 more to go. And, uh, you know, we got a lot, you know, here we, we're, we're climbing and we're ascending. And the number one thing that will keep people from making it to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro is altitude sickness. I read an entire book on the plane going over just about it. There's like 12 things can go wrong with you. You're all of a sudden, you've had a brain aneurysm and it, it busts loose and all of a sudden terrible things happen. Uh, also, not a place you want to have a brain aneurysm. Also, not only that, is you can, you can have heart problems that you didn't know you had until they were exposed on the mountain. There's all manner of things that, 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 you, that you can have. You don't play with altitude sickness. And the number one reason people don't make it to the top is because of altitude sickness. And so what they do when they're walking you up this mountain is that they tell you to go in a Swahili word, poli poli. Holy, 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 holy. Go slowly, slowly. There are times that you want to run. There are times that you can walk faster. There are times that you could do a lot of other things, but you just go holy, 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 holy. We got to the, after summoning, coming back down the last night, we were there with our guide and asked our guide, so how many times have you gone up this thing? Because, man, I don't want to do it again. He got up it 30 times. 30 successful ascents. And I'm thinking, you're kidding me. You know, we just followed our leader. Follow a guy who's gone up there 30 times, you might make it. Here's, 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 the, here's the struggle, though. We got a God of the universe who's led 30 million people through life quite successfully and hasn't lost a single one. Why do we sit back in our pride and arrogance and think that we can figure it out on our own? Trust the Lord. 
with all your heart and do not lean on your understanding. Number three, and don't pack what you shouldn't carry. In all your ways, acknowledge it. All uh, areas of your life. And I'm talking about packing. We carry a lot of things through life. We pack up a lot of things. And we call this our God box. And okay, God, you get to have all the, everything in this box. But all these other things, they're mine. Okay? No. We acknowledge Him in every area of our life. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Another translation, with all your heart, you acknowledge Him. In the NIV, it says, in all your ways, submit to Him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your understanding, but in all your ways, submit to Him. In every area of your life, can you fully give that to Him? Are you holding anything back? For yourself. Once we allow God to be fully in charge, navigator of our life, we stop the backseat driving, we unpack everything and give Him access to every area of our life. At that point, we can start enjoying the journey. Until then, we're going to be wrestling with God, fighting with God, fighting over plans versus listening to the man, which leads me to number four. Enjoy the journey. And it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a beautiful, challenging, inspirational, adventuresome. Anybody who tells you the Christian life is boring doesn't have a modicum of reality in them. It is anything but boring. It is beautiful and challenging, difficult and made possible when you follow and you trust Him. And you listen to his voice. Listen to this, Psalm 37. I'm giving you so many verses today just because there's so much to give you in this series. The steps of, of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Remember I talked about last week that God's not going to give you the whole plan. He's not going to give you five years. He's not going to tell you everything. He's going to give you, as he told Abraham, to the place that I will show you. You're going to get one step, and then you're going to get another step, and then you're going to get another step. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I like this next phrase, and he delights in his way. God literally smiles on the life when the man is walking every Step in line with him. Another verse that's meant a lot to me through the years is Proverbs 4.18. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. He shines brighter and brighter as the day is full. God, I can't see what's on the horizon. I don't know what's out there. I don't know what boogeyman's out there to get me. I don't know who I can trust. It's okay. Take the next step. Whatever that next step is, take the next step. Let him guide your steps and each step that you take, that brightness, the light will shine brighter and brighter until finally, okay, now I see what you're about. But if you don't take that next step, and you stay in your feet and you stay in your seat and you stay where you're at and you don't listen, you're going to miss what God wants to show you and where he wants to take you. Again, here's another one, Psalm 23. I'm almost done. But just let this one rest with you a moment. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside the quiet waters. 
He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Boy, I want that. Lead me beside the still waters. Lead me beside in the green pastures. That's, that's what I'm looking for, God, all the way. You've got to realize in that same passage, He says, and also to the valley of the shadow of death. And also to a table where you're going to sit down with your enemies. It's not always going to be easy. But it will always be an adventure. Sometimes you'll be sitting down with your enemies. Sometimes you'll be walking through the valley of shadow of death. Sometimes you'll be in the green pastures. But he will lead you. If you think about Jesus and his disciples, two different times, he puts them in a boat and sends them into a storm. Following God led them into a storm. Jeremiah, excuse me, Abraham last week was led by God into a famine. Paul, listen to Paul's words. Acts 20. He says, I am going to Jerusalem bound by the Spirit. I mean, very clear. God's called me there. Not knowing what shall befall me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies to me, and in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. I don't know what's out there, but I know it's not going to feel good. This is the adventure that we're going to be on. And here's the reality. I can trust his character. I can trust him. I get lost in the minutia of the plan. I get lost in the brokenness of the plan. I get lost in this. I keep my eyes on him. I build that relationship in. I get lost in broken dreams. I get lost in the, in, in the broken promises. I get lost keeping my eyes on Him. I may not always know the ways, what one old hymn said, wherein God leads my feet, but this I know, that round my path His love and wisdom meet. And so I rest content to know He guides my feet wherever they go. Now, my kids are a little old, older now and they are past uh, Alice in Wonderland days. But if you remember the story when Alice in Wonderland, she comes to a crossroad. And she asks direction from the Cheshire Cat. And this is the question, which road should I take? She asks, well, Where do you want to go? The cat. I don't know. Then it doesn't matter which road you take. It doesn't matter which road you take if you don't have a direction, if you don't have a path, if you don't have a a calling, if you're not listening to his voice. Just go whichever. But listen, when you go that way, get ready. You're going to get to live with the results of it. Or listen to that voice and go one step at a time, trusting Him all the way. Do you bow your heads with me? We tried to allow each time space for you to hear from God. Where there's not a lot of talking and there's just listening. Practicing the presence of God. You can do it anywhere and everywhere. We're going to do it here now. But I want to ask a couple of questions of you as you enter into this time. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed. And only only 
zeroing in on you, let me ask you a simple question. Have you ever, with all your heart, given yourself to trusting God? Trusting Jesus. That's where it starts. I can't can't say enough. You've got to start with a relationship of trusting Him. Then all of a sudden, the other challenges will come. But you'll be able to face them because you're trusting Him. If you can't get to that point, it's going to be really hard. You're going to be trusting yourself a lot. You're going to be trusting your friend's counsel a lot. A motivational book a lot. You trust Him. Start there. And then second, if you're there, then I would ask you this. What in your life are you not, are you packing up and carrying through life that God's wanting you to offload? Wanting to give to Him. You're not acknowledging Him in that area of your life. Is it your finances? You're not acknowledging God in your finances. You're not acknowledging God in your relationship. You're doing it your way according to your plan. Danger, (laughs) I I warn you. I want to pray for you and I'm just going to let you have some space. Lord Jesus, speak. Your servants, your creation is listening.